I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors by actors. Brought to you by Book It. Um, Adam, how are you? I know you're really stressed right now. Adam just got a dog and he's about ready to take it down oh, to the square and take him to the hanging man. He's covered in chocolate protein shake that I'll have to wash out later. But, um, you know, the joys of fatherhood. It's wonderful. <laughs> I can luckily, see that you're smiling, Adam. But I, he's I know so you. fucking cute. Oh, look at you. Look at him. He looks like Snoopy, but oh, he's my in trouble God. right now. Yeah, well, Get that's the there. same, 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 same as uh, Rory. I think they're made to be so beautiful and so handsome because when they fuck up all the time and they spill your protein shake or they spill over a giant thing of paint, you look at them and you say, well, well I can't kill you. You're gorgeous. Not paint. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's the, that's not even close. That's not even close to the worst thing that he's done. That's just this <sighs> week. Well, see, we've had it's him so, a, a, a few days, a little over a month. And to be honest, he really hasn't like done anything that's nah. pissed me off. Well, it's, today. it's a hell of a lot better. <laughs> it's a hell of a lot better than than the first day where you called us crying and saying, I need him gone. I don't know wh- what to do. <laughs> oh, my God. That was a really bad 48 hours. But we're in a better place. Thank God. Well, we um, listen, every, everybody, thank you. For, for <laughs> jumping in, into our therapy for session today to listen to our therapy session and our show this week we we've got a great show we've got a great show this week we sit down with an la-based actor who got a start in chicago where he worked extensively with appearances on shameless chicago p chicago fire empire and his recurring role on showtime's the shy his work in theater includes Porchlight, the goodman chicago shakes and many many more please welcome the very hardworking, very successful and very kind jose tony garcia thanks for coming on the show what's up tony How's what's it up going, man fellas? good good now thank you tony, for joining I met us. you in chicago like 10 years ago thank you for being here it's been a long time welcome to la though you've been here for a little bit of time a little over a year now yeah Okay, yeah. So you went so still uh, the new. beginning of COVID. Still very new because really LA hasn't been LA in in since COVID began. No, not at all. In LA, I keep, <laughs> I keep telling people I'm, when they're like, "How's LA?" I'm like, "It looks great through the window. Like it, it's right." <laughs> You're like, I don't know. There's nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, like we literally arrived May first, uh, twenty twenty. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Was when we flew in. My God. Like, yeah. In like, the thick it was, of it. Oh, yeah. You know, it was back then it was still we were all still under the naive belief of, oh, by by August or September. Right. We'll be back right. to normal. A couple know? of months. Yeah. We'll be yeah. good by the time the kids go to school. Sure. It's so funny. Meanwhile, that first meanwhile, like <laughs> four months, I keep remember thinking and saying to everybody like, God, could you imagine moving right now? That would be crazy. Oh, yeah. You're like oh, no. May 1st. LA. You're like, I'm Mr. Crazy. Well, I, you know, like we, we've been planning the trip for like right. a year prior to that. And then, you know, like we our, our, our lease in Chicago was up at the end of April. Our lease out here was going to start May 1st. And I mean, we were already in the thick of it all when obviously when March hit. 
And I think we like sat down like one day and we were like, okay, let's stop everything and like figure this out. Like, should we, should we hold off? Should we delay it? Should we not do this at all? Like what, what, but very quickly we were like, no, let's keep moving forward. Cause again, back then it was like, this is only going to be a few months, you know, we'll be all right. And like, once things go back to normal, I'd rather be, I'd rather be in LA once, once things open back up instead of still here in Chicago because we, you know, got cold feet or something. Right. Um, Right. Little did we know back then. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah. And, and so it was, it was, uh, let's, let's, let's start from the beginning. You, you began your, your tenure in Chicago. Um, obviously like LA can be this, um, end point, this (laughs) culminating thing after, after you cut your teeth, you do what you need to do in the markets that you're in. And then LA sometimes is the end game, which was for me. And it sounds like it was for you. So at the beginning, we always like to ask Adam started this conversation, when did the pain begin? So where, 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 where were you? You, you grew up, you grew up in the Midwest, correct? Uh, I actually, I grew up in Connecticut. I'm from Connecticut. Oh, oh that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. great. It um, says on you into the Midwest. prompt, Tommy, I wrote from New Haven, <laughs> Connecticut. Uh-huh. Jesus. Gotcha. I, yes, I grew up in Connecticut. Um, I ended up in the Midwest because I ended up going to grad school in Indiana. Um, yeah, and I went to Purdue. So you went to IU. What year oh, was that? So yeah, so I was down in Bloomington, and so you know, you're in Indiana. Then the sort of natural progression after that is Chicago. Chicago, so, right? Um, though I did have, I had a professor in undergrad who would talk about Chicago all the time in terms of theater. Like he's like, if you if you're serious about theater and like you want to really go at it in theater, like go to Chicago, go to Chicago. Right, so, right. Um, so I had Chicago in the back of my mind, but it was ultimately going to de- come down to where I ended up going for grad school. But since I ended up going to Indiana, I was like, oh, okay, then Chicago it is afterwards. Yeah. So that's um, how I ended up there. And I just and IU, IU has a has a great theater, musical theater department. Yes, um, I was not there for musical theater. And they have you, a great musical theater program now. They didn't right. while I, when I was there. Really? They didn't have they didn't have a musical theater. It was weird. They have they had like one of the top music music programs, right? Programs in the country. And then they didn't have a BFA, but they had an MFA, which is what I was there for. Right. Um, since then, uh, they have created, I believe they have a BFA now. And then they also created a like musical theater, uh, like concentration or whatever that's called. Like you can got it. focus on that. Cause there were, there were a handful of people who, you know, wanted to do musical theater. Cause it's like, we're in one of the top music schools in the country so they kind of sort of created their own version of it by taking the appropriate classes and sort of double majoring kind of thing. Um, and eventually enough people did it that it uh, led to creating the program. Okay. So you got your 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 BFA uh, from the University of Connecticut, your MFA from IU. When you're kind of in the thick of of what you're doing there with your MFA, I mean, it's a lot different than your BFA. You get your, your bachelor's, you're there, you're one of a bunch of people. If you have your MFA, chances are at least at purdue uh they, they pick like a dozen kids and they they paid their entire way for their mfa program so this is a very concentrated group of people so when you're at, at when you're in your mfa you're uh doing some instruction some light lecture stuff you're also performing you're there to you're you're it's sort of like being pay, being a college athlete 
is like MFA. You're not screwing around. You're not getting your bachelor. You're there to work, you know? So how was that? How many shows did you do? If you did any, um, what was the competition like? What was the environment <laughs> like? Were you about what to come? So many was things. Scary. So many things. Um, I definitely did. Uh, so the program was three years. I taught second and third year, uh, uh, like intro level acting classes. Like I think I taught level one and I believe I did some level twos. Um, some people did acting or they taught voice. Um, I taught acting mostly. I assisted with the movement classes a little bit cause I was, I was really into that stuff as well. Cool. Um, I did anywhere between three to four shows a year while I was there. Um, and when you're doing a show, that's like a full-time job. You're going to class and then you're rehearsal and oh yeah you're in your 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 day is split up between classes and teaching and then you're in rehearsals in the evening or performing in the evening um i mean yeah it was definitely a full-time like 16 hour days like continuously kind of thing all the time um but i mean yeah like i i the way iu was set up for the mfa program like yeah we we got scholarships and then once you started teaching uh, you got like an additional stipend uh, to sort of help out with everything. And it was, it, it was great. Like I had a really good experience. Um, it was, it was fairly competitive. It was fairly challenging. Um, I, this is a weird thing, but like, so I went to grad school straight from undergrad. I was in that wheelhouse of I'm going to grad school because I need more training. Like I need to learn more stuff. I I really had only been you that bad. Yeah, yes. oh yeah, I was not good. I'll, I'll be the first one to say. I mean, I wasn't terrible, but I definitely was. Like when I was done with UConn, the thought of moving to like New York or trying to go out there and do it, I was like, fuck no, hell no, I'm right. not doing that. I mean, I I didn't start acting till I got to college. I didn't. I wasn't okay. I got, I wasn't like a high school drama club person. So how did you, what did you do to get into, when you went to Connecticut, were you like, yeah, this is what I want to do? Or did you figure that out in I start. I I decided, I, I figured out I wanted to be an actor after I'd already been acting for two years. Um, okay. I went to UConn as a communications major, which is like the universal major that everyone picks when they don't know what major they want to be. Right. Um, and... You know, they had the BFA, but then they also had some introductory level acting classes in the BA program that were just available to anyone who wanted to take them. Mm-hmm. Um, they they fulfilled like a public speaking requirement or something like that. So I was like, oh, yeah, I want to take an acting class. It'll be fun and easy because I'm a good liar. Like, you know, like I was that. Right. Uh, I, was, right. I was that annoying prick. Uh, um, I'm great at lying. I might as well get really paid for it. Right. Um, you know, I love Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. So naturally, let's go study theater. Like, you know, he's like, ready. Oh. He's ready. <laughs> so <laughs> that was me. I, I went, I started to take a few classes and very quickly I was just kind of like, ooh, I really like this. This is super yeah. fun. Um, I was always an artsy kid, but I never, never like with performing arts, like, like, the, you know, like acting or, or music or anything like that. So it just, I, I started to have fun. And before I sort of really knew what I was getting myself into, I was like, how do I keep taking classes? Like, how do I make it so you guys let me take more of the classes? And they're like, well, you have to audition for the program. And I was like, okay. 
So I did. And so, and, and I, I kind of got allowed in on a probation type basis. Like they were like, okay, you're, <laughs> you're not great, but you don't stink up the room. So, okay, we'll let you take another class. And then like, I took another level and then I, I had to like re-audition again to stay in the program. And uh, finally, by like the end of my sophomore year, I was, that's when I was like, okay, all right. I'm really, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to really give this a go and really focus. And, and I, I think I want to do this. I think I really, really want to do this, but yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't come to that realization probably till the end of my sophomore year up to that point. I, I was just having a really good time and really enjoying myself and kind of loving it, which in a weird way is sad to think that like after that, it went away (laughs) kind of thing. Like after that, it became like, now it's a career choice thing. Uh, Right. Like, Oh no, there's this, there's this, there's this really great comic. Um, I have to track it down because I feel like I feel like we we talk about this a lot. But the comic is there's a guy playing the piano for this big, huge venue. Yeah. Tons of people there. It's a cartoon, right? He's on the piano. And the thought bubble is – and everybody's there. They're in their formal wear and it's this huge theater. And he says, he says, I don't even like this anymore. And at the bottom it says, we finally become professional. <laughs> So he's there. He's performing. Yeah. Like it's not even something that I'm enjoying. It's like congratulations. Now you're a pro. <laughs> you did it. You made yeah, it. Yeah. Now you're going to make money for it, and you're not going to enjoy it as much as you did it when you did it for free. Yeah. Because that's just what it is. You know, the key is, I guess, is to find the find little nuggets of joy in it, and and sure. as long as you're in it for the right reasons, you're going to have that. But I thought that was very interesting that you you went into something because you liked it. Too many people are pursuing yeah. things because it's like. Well, it's a job. It's job. And dad said, get jobs. So have to get job. No, oh, yeah. you have to love what, what you do, you know, and yeah. here you are. You're like, I guess, you know, you did it for two years and you're like, I guess this is something that I want to pursue. Yeah. So you started with just interest and love. And that's how you start complete doing what you love is naivete, complete love curiosity. <laughs> yeah. Like I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Like I was just like, oh, this looks like fun. I get to like rehearse and the other people sure like, yeah this will be cool and yeah and then I, I i really decided like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna really try to push for this and i guess the innocence and curiosity didn't go away at night or anything like that i know of course to it for a while while i was still in school but so yeah so because by the by that point you know by the time i got out of grad uh, undergrad i'd really only been doing it for a few years like seriously like committed wise mm-hmm. So immediately I was like, oh, I'm going to grad school because I need I definitely need more training. And uh, I, I felt like I got that at IU. The, the one of numerous challenges was and I think this is this is true of a lot of different kinds of grad programs where you go in and there's this sort of culture of. If you're if you're a grad student, you already know what you're doing, like you're not here to learn anymore. You're just here to kind of just do it a little bit more, maybe sharpen your tools for the next few years before you go back out to the real world. Um, whereas I came in, I was like, oh, no, 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 please. I, I, I still don't fully know what the hell I'm doing. So, like, help me out. I actually need to be taught stuff. I'm not, I'm not here to just be molded into something. I need to actually keep learning. Right. Um, so I guess because I that was my perspective on it. Like I 
I enjoyed grad school. I had a really good time and, you know, challenges here and there, like any program, of course, but, but I felt like I, I grew a ton, uh, after grad school and coming in, finally getting to Chicago, I had, I felt like I had something worthwhile, uh, yeah. going, um, you know, or so I thought <laughs> at least. Well, let's, and, let's talk about that, that move. So uh, how did you get that apartment, get load up the car and go? Like, where did you, where did you end up? Where did you pitch your tent? Uh, my, my first apartment was up in Edgewater. Um, uh, I was right next to Andersonville, which was awesome. I got to like Andersonville was the first sort yeah. of neighborhood I got to hang out in before I even knew like how cool Andersonville was. So like, I didn't even know how good I had it. Would actually um, become cooler as the years would go on. You were entering like a cool neighborhood as oh, it was yeah. growing it, into coolness. I, kept, <laughs> I would pick myself after, because I lived there for about a year and then I moved away. And then afterwards I was like, why did I leave? Why didn't I just stay up there? Because now to like get back into Andersonville was like, forget it it was impossible right. but, did you uh, have a job set up did you have an apartment set up did i had an apartment that set up beforehand? i didn't have a job set up um okay. if an half and half so the apartment thing i had a friend who you know he'd already been living in in chicago for about a year and then like when i was moving up there he was you know like we got to talking and we were like let's let's get in together because together we can get a bigger place um, so since he was already up there, he had the easier time finding us. a place. So he found us the Edgewater place and I didn't have a job lined up in Chicago, but I had a job lined up at, uh, Indiana repertory theater. So I moved up to Chicago and I was in Chicago for like maybe three months. And then I was back down to Indianapolis to do, I did Christmas Carol that, uh, the, that year. Um, that's a whole nother podcast conversation to have about that. But uh, so, yeah, so it was weird. My first year in Chicago, I was barely in Chicago. I kept traveling uh, back and forth between Chicago and Indiana because I, I was still working like I was working at IRT and then I was back in Chicago. And then like that summer, I went back to Indiana to work with like this student orientation program that I had been a part of. Uh, so like it was but my first year in Chicago, I was barely in Chicago. I kept going back and forth. Yeah. Um, it probably wasn't really until halfway through my second year in Chicago that I really was like, okay, let me try to focus on here and like really started uh, seeking out representation and uh, all that kind of stuff and trying to figure out the 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 career part of what uh, I needed to do. And so at this point, you were un you were unrepresented. You were non union. You didn't have any d legitimate professional credits yet. You're in your your second year in Chicago. So what are the what are the things that you began doing to? And this is what year? This is about oh six oh, oh five. Oh, I'm gonna age the fuck out of myself. I graduated ah. grad school in two thousand three. Okay. Uh, so I got to Chicago in two thousand three. But it it probably wasn't until like the fall of 2004 when I really, really was like, OK, let me let me start figuring out Chicago. And okay. Tony, can I ask, did your MFA program um, get you ready for any of this, like going out into the world and becoming a I see you laughing and becoming oh. a a working actor like um did you guys have a showcase? Did they tell you about representation or unions or anything like that? Or were you figuring it out on your own? No, um, is the short answer. So 
my memory of this, because I have I have I was thinking about this because I was like, they're gonna ask me about Indiana and I'm trying to remember. My memory of this is a little bit blurry just because I I just let it go. But I know for a while what they would do at the end of the year was they would invite a casting director from Chicago to come down and do like a one or two day sort of workshop. It was they call it a showcase, but it was literally the one person who would come down to mm. work and yeah. allow you to perform for them. So I was like, that's not a fucking showcase. Um, I believe at the time it was Jane Brody uh, back in the day. And she would come down and do like a two day thing where she would talk about on camera stuff, auditioning, uh, agents, casting directors, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the business side of things. My second year, she was supposed to come down if, and from what I remember correctly, so I'm going to be slightly vague. I apologize. Mm. I want to say like literally the week she was supposed to come down, something happened, something came up and she ended up canceling. Like she wasn't able to come down. They'd been planning this for, you know, months or whatever. Um, so at the, like the last minute she bailed at the last <sighs> minute, they were able to get Jane Alderman to come down. But she could only come down for like a day because it was so last minute. Like she's like, I can't come down for multiple days. I've got shit I'm working on up here, but I'm willing to come down for like a day. And then the next day I got to come back up. So that's <sighs> actually how I met Jane Alderman for the first time. She hmm. came down and did like a one day thing with us. Um, but so you guys were a little gypped like, on this experience. A little bit. Yeah. And I, <laughs> from from. That, I remember that was my second year. So for the, the third year people, the people who were graduating that year, they were pretty pissed off because they were like, what the fuck? Like, this is our yeah. thing. I remember it was still my second year. So I was like, OK, I still have next year. But then I think if I remember correctly, our third year rolled around and we didn't even get that. Like they weren't able to get Jane Brody or Jane Alderman. I, I remember us like putting together a field trip to go up to Chicago and we saw a couple of shows. Like I remember seeing a show at Chicago Shakes and then we saw another show. Um, I don't even remember the name of the theater company, but it, uh, they, they were doing uh, Scapino, the, the farce. And we saw that. And I just remember thinking it was hilarious. And I was like, this is freaking hysterical. But that was it. Like we came up, we saw two shows, we hung out, we like visited a couple of sites and like that was it. I'm I'm surprised you know, because of like of an MFA program. That's usually a big part of it. Like I oh, yeah, I get it, it was... in like your undergrad, but an MFA like you're it's a small class. It's like your only focus. That's pretty crazy. That's my understanding of it now is of course year, years after I left, they they buckled down and put together like an actual showcase kind of thing. The other thing, and I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but the other thing that the program was dealing with while I was there was they were literally in the middle of finishing their new building. They were building a new theater, new classrooms, new facility, new everything. Um, and it literally opened halfway through my second year. So I had a year and a half in the old building and a year and a half in the new building. And I think they were just so focused on that transition and everything that everything else just kind of fell by the wayside, unfortunately at the expense of us, because we were the ones who got shortchanged. 
Well, yeah, but being part of part of this job is figuring out on your own. I mean, there's going to be people who might help you, guide you. You can spend twenty five thousand dollars on a college education, but you're you're not going to you're not going to. It's not like medical school. You don't just get it and then it's like cool. That's I guess I have a career. No, you no no, no not at all. There is so, you know there's no career. You had to make your own. Yeah, yeah. You had to make your own um, way, make your own success. You were given the tools. They probably could have been given. They probably could have given you a lot more, um, which is kind of why we've we've got working actor pro and stuff is because a lot of actors need this guidance. But um, but you didn't. So what? So when you when you were in your second year and you had to basically pave your own way, uh, how did you get repped? How did you get the first couple of of bookings? There, it, it's a small com. It's a combination of a couple of things. There, so one of the things that did happen, and this was completely by just by the goodness of her heart during the summer shows, they would always uh, bring down professional actors from either Indianapolis or Chicago. And there was one particular actress and I don't remember her name because I actually wasn't in the show with her. Um, But it was one of those things where she befriended the cast and very quickly, like she herself was like, Oh, you young, young green people, you know, nothing. Um, Let me try to help you. So she took it out of the goodness of her own heart she arranged for like a two day workshop where we like signed out one of the classrooms and she just sat down with us and like told us about like headshots, reps and all that kind of stuff. Like all the, the, the business stuff. Um, she just did it cause she like felt bad for us. Cause she knew like, you know, she's like, it was only a few years ago that I was in the same position you guys are in right now. So let me try to pay it forward. So she, that was really awesome of her. So thanks to her, I kind of knew what I needed to do. I still didn't quite know how to do it. Um, and then the other, the other half of that, that sort of helped me out was back then there was this thing called the book, um, that existed in Chicago. And I really wish I would have pulled my copy out so I could show it to you. Oh, I'd love to see it. We've just had an episode with Adam. I forget who it was, who talked about this notorious book from yeah, Chicago. I'm going to, is it Abigail? I'm going to see if uh, I can have my wife look for it right now so that I'm not like walking away on you guys. But, so this was, to my understanding, this ultimate guide yeah. in that at that time of how to navigate through everything. It's literally it's it's it was the actor's Bible for Chicago. Right. Um, like, you know, those books, the not not for tourists books yeah. that exist for different uh, cities. Yeah. It's essentially that. But for acting and mm-hmm. actors and the acting world in Chicago. And it was literally called the book. Um, when I came to Chicago, I think it was in its like third printing and I, they print, I think they printed it like two more times and then it, it it was done. It ceased to exist. Um, but this book was so helpful because it literally just had like a list of, cause again, for all you young people listening, this was before the internet was the internet that we know today Mm -hmm. where, you know, if you need information, you just look it up no that didn't that that wasn't a thing back then the way that it is now so there was this book that had a collection of all the agents all the casting directors all the headshot photographers in the city um all the different theaters whether they were union non-union what that meant what some of the contracts were worth all these different all this different information was all in this book and yeah you just I literally would walk around this thing as like my how to guide mm-hmm. in life. Um, so I literally did. I just went down the list of agents and I was like, okay, 
Hey, headshot, resume, cover letter, manila envelope. Nice. Stamps. Nice. Mail. Like that's yep. like old school kind of thing. And I oh my God. Uh, finally in two, uh, 2004 when I was like, okay, I need to stop this back and forth nonsense. I need to stay in Chicago and figure out here. And yeah, I just started sending stuff out to different agencies and I got a couple of bites and uh, mostly non-union. The the only union agency that um, I was able to hook up with back in the day was Shirley Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I was with them for a hot minute. It was it was not the best relationship. It just we just weren't gelling. It wasn't anything horrible. We just we just weren't vibing. But you know they were the only union agency that bit. So I was like, it, it's them or nothing. So I was with them for yeah. a bit. But I. <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me at one point it's it, this is not a brag it's actually not a great thing but at one point i was with like five different non-union agencies at once i was multi-listed mm-hmm. uh, like at the time <laughs> i was like look at me i'm with five different agencies look at how badass i am and looking back on it i'm like oh dear god what were you thinking yeah yeah Uh, the key is to get one good one not five not to spread yourself one good one work with them really well and i was with like five and it was a mess oh are you getting auditions no (laughs) no god yeah like the number of times that i was struggling with like i have this many agencies and i'm not getting anything or you know like all of a sudden they're all calling me but they're all calling me about the same fucking audition so now it's like Oh shit. Okay. Well, this one called first. So I got to go, you know, like they get it if I, and like, it was just a mess. Um, um, I eventually like did away with that. And I was with Shirley Hamilton and one non-union agency. Um, And I, I was in the non-union world for a really long time doing industrials and training videos and all that kind of stuff. Like, if you real uh, that's real art right there oh yeah like if you ever discovery id uh shows Uh, right oh yeah like (laughs) a huge do they do that in chicago it's huge here no it's it's in new york it's like everybody it's like people say i got on i got a tv show yeah what'd you get discovery id oh (laughs) (laughs) so here in new york it's it's a huge thing for like exactly i don't tommy i don't think it's union right is it I don't. I, I've gotten a couple Maybe of those both? auditions, but I think now it's non-union. I think it's now non-union. Maybe at one point it was yeah. like both, but you'd see it all the time. It was like, um, I mean, it's basically like reenactments, isn't it? But well, it's, it's on it's fucking like, television, and you know, I, there's I remember, constantly there's um, auditions to uh, self-submit for. And yeah, Tommy's right. You'd hear people be like, "I booked a gig. Oh my god, what is it? Discovery ID." Yeah. Okay, like you're gonna be on TV, but it doesn't really count. Technically, yeah. When I when I I, I booked on the History Channel or Discovery, there um, we shot down by Wills. Remember that bar, Wills, and in, in um, off of Belmont and Wrigleyville tone. It was this like Wisconsin themed bar. Anyway, we we shot this thing. It was called Mobsters, and and you know we all just dressed up in these old clothes and we got on TV, and that was like one of my first TV gigs, but. Technically, it was like, well, they could have gotten your dead uncle to do that. I mean, it, right. it really does. Those are just reenactments. They needed a warm body. <laughs> they just. So do you so, have a pulse? So you're, you're getting a lot of these. <laughs> <laughs> 
Actors, listen up. If you're having trouble finding a talent agent, or maybe the rep you have is just not cutting it, you need to check out Agent Genie. You'll get access to over 1,200 triple verified talent agents with active rosters in all major markets who are ready to sign you. Agent Genie is for every actor, regardless of credits or where you live. So all you have to do is download the mailer, write your five-sentence email, sit back, and let the Genie take care of the rest. In only 15 minutes, top agents will be looking at your materials, guaranteed. With their one-click mailer system, the Agent Genie submits to all agents in your desired market instantly with personally addressed introductions and a built-in tracking report so you know who opened, who clicked, and who is interested in you. Take your acting career to the next level today with Agent Genie. Use the promo code WISH10 for $10 off your purchase. Visit BookItNYC.com to get started today and see why BookIt is the number one resource for all working actors. So you're getting a lot of these uh, roles that, that we'll call you don't you don't uh, you don't write home. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, Let's just say that. It's uh, mom and dad I, killing I, it. I, I did at first and then very quickly yeah. was like, yeah, I should stop. Then, yeah. Then your mom's like, oh, yeah, your dad's on Discovery ID, too. <laughs> Actually, dude. The, oh, my God. The funniest one. I did this one for Sears. Um, it, it, they were they had just come out with like a new line of like craftsman tools or something. Mm-hmm. And so they they made this industrial video. Where Sears was, is, was, is no longer, by the way. Tony is so old that yeah. Sears isn't even isn't even oh, a no. store anymore. <laughs> Not even a store anymore. Um, What's a oh, Sears? It was, it was the thing. It was a video of like. I was the customer and like the, the, the employee would come up and he's like, how can I help you? And I'm like, I'm looking for a new set of tools. And he's like, can I interest you in the new craftsman, whatever? And he would like, the whole video was him telling me how great these tools are. And me just being the like, yeah, but can they help me with this? They sure can like that kind of thing. And that fucking video played like on a small little monitor at Sears in the aisle where the tools were sold. And my aunt would take her car to local Sears for her oil changes. <clears throat> and for like years, she was like, oh, yeah, I'll go take my car for an oil change and I'll be in the waiting room. And all of a sudden in the distance, I can hear your voice talking right. about these stupid tools. And she's like, how old? I'm like, that was like three years ago. And she's like, you're still getting paid for that, right? I was like, of course. I'm no not. way. It's not union. No. Like I got paid back then. But no, like that's, yeah. yeah. So like, that was one of those things of, she's like, you're on TV. I'm like, stop it. No, I'm not. Okay. I'm yeah. in the aisle at the tools. I'm on at TV. I'm on, a- a- on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Technically you are, but yeah. I'm not on TV. I'm on that TV. I'm on that TV, that specific screen. <laughs> so did you see, uh, as, as things were kind of, uh, not, I guess, progressing, but in your mind, you were probably like, oh, my God. In your head, were you like, dude, I need to go bigger. I need to go better. This isn't what I had in mind. Uh, yes and no. The, the <clears throat> Yes, but because I've been doing all theater, like, I didn't know anything about, like, TV world or on-camera world. So for me to be doing these industrials and training videos, like, I was just like, this is great. Like, yeah. I'm getting more hands-on camera experience than I've ever gotten in like the eight years of schooling that I've had. So 
Like, did, did you know that that you were j- just rowing, kind of putting in your? Did you know that what you were doing at that moment was something that you have to do in your early years? I mean, I knew I knew I was definitely sort of uh, what's afraid like uh, uh, what's it called when you, like you're paying my dues exactly. like a rite of passage, exactly. so to speak. Like I was like, I I know I have to sort of grind it out doing this stuff. I, yeah, I mean, even back then, even when I was like, like I need this. Like I, I have zero TV experience, zero on camera, so this is really useful for me. But I I, I also I wasn't stupid enough to like not recognize like okay i'm definitely like sort of grinding my wheels here and this is something that i i think i just i need to do i need to experience this i need to earn earn my way so to speak um and i mean i did that for a very long time uh i didn't go union until 2012 Uh, oh like sag after i didn't join sag after until 2012 talk talk about joining And when you joined, how did you join? What were the particulars about that? Because everybody's story is different. For sure. So mine was actually kind of funny because that was the year, because before that it was SAG and AFTRA. It was two right. separate unions, which was a pain in the ass. Totally. I kind of sort of lucked out and I came in right as they were finally merging. Mm. Like the whole, Mine was like, right before. Mm. I had to pay twice. I had to oh. pay 2,500 bucks Right in the probably within a month or two of each other. Oh God, no, 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 no! I heard all those stories and I was like, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know how you. I thought you got to get grandfathered in, like if you paid to join AFTRA, and then they combined, and then like that's. I knew a lot of people who joined before the merge. I, I had booked Playboy Club, and that was that was uh, AFTRA, so I had to join AFTRA, and then I booked some thing, some SAG thing, and I had to join SAG, and then like Uh, six months later, they merged. It was it was oh, two separate oh units. God. Pretty much doing the same shit. Right. But it was two separate units. So yeah, you had to join two to the point where like I think I literally still have a button on my backpack that it was like the SAG after one union. Right. Remember, that was their slogan yeah. for a long time. One union. Um it was <laughs> li- like it just timed out perfectly for me. Um it was the year that they joined. And yeah, I booked I had a good year in 2012. I booked uh, uh, Boss. Remember that nice. that show, Boss? With sure, that, uh, Kelsey Grammar. Grammer was in. I booked a small recurring role on that, so I got like four episodes out of that. This and is booked... before Dick Wolf came to town. Oh yeah. yeah. So 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 Boss was um, the was ER the, equivalent. It was like it was the year show. Dick Wolf came into town, but it like he literally arrived in 2012. It, got it. Like Chicago, the Chicago shows weren't. They were still just a fault, like they yep. were. They like in everyone's imagination. So I booked a thing on Boss, and then I booked an episode of Mob Doctor, um, and then finally I booked an episode of Chicago Fire. By that point, yes. they had started that, um, and it was you know that was my third one. So I kept being like, "Do I have to join? Do I have you know?" But I kept calling them, and they were like, "Nope, you're good. You still got thirty more days. Thirty more days. Thirty more days." I genuinely think it was just because I kept falling in between the cracks because they were in the process of merging. Um, and then finally, that December at the end of that year, I booked a commercial. And finally, they, they called me and they're like, you need to join before you even show up to set kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, or it could be a problem. So I was like, and yep. is this when you were you were with Panessa at this point? I was. Yes, yeah. I joined Panessa in 2011. 
Um, and that, so I, that, I left Chicago in 2008 and then came back in 2011. And when I came back, uh, Houston, Texas, it was not for work, not for nothing. Um, my, at the time, girlfriend, now my wife, uh, we had been together for a few years at that point, And we just, we decided we wanted to change a pace. She had family down in Texas. So we were like, let's go down there for like a year and like figure out where we want to go after that. And one year turned into three and we were just, we were there and we Whoa. were like, we gotta get out of here. We got to go. Um, so, so you had all this momentum and then you went to Texas for three years. Well, no, 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 no. So the, all that, all those bookings happened when I came back to Chicago. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Gotcha. Um, from, from 2003 to 2008, those first five years, I was, I did a bit of theater. I was, I was mostly theater. I booked one TV thing, uh, Prison Break, uh, back then. I booked, Big show, big, big show, show. multi-season show. I booked yeah. an episode of that. That sort of changed my world perspective. And suddenly I was like, oh, I want to do this. Like, I want to do... TV drama, like episodic. Yeah. Let's go. How do I do more of than this? And then I proceeded to never do TV again for like another six years. Uh. Uh, three <laughs> of which I was in Houston, but still, like it was like it was six years before I booked my next like actual episodic TV thing. And how uh, did you get signed with Panessa when you came back from Houston? I came back to Chicago and there was a small uh casting group called two birds casting do you, yes. do you ever remember yes. them uh erica sartini from the goodman all them they they put together like this sort of open call for a bunch of local non-union theaters and because i was back in town i was like i, I gotta i gotta do the grind again here i go again so i signed up did the audition and erica sartini god bless her she took a liking to me and she was just like who are you like where have you She's like, you have a nice resume. Where have you been? I was like, I've been fucking Houston for three years. That's where I've been. I just right. got back. Right. And Off she was the grid. She was like, so are you back now? Are you here? Do you have representation? Do you have this? And I was like, I had gotten back together with my non-union agent because I had a really good relationship with them. So I called them up and they took me back. No problem. Um, but I didn't have union rep. And she was like, well, she's like, I know some people. Let me toss your name to some people. And she tossed my name to Vanessa. And great talent. Mm -hmm. uh, I never got a chance to meet Gray, but I was nervous about them because they were uh, like automatic exclusive. Like if you sign with us, you got to be exclusive and dump everyone else. And I was like, oh, but I, we don't know each other. Like, why would I go exclusive? And I have seven uh, non-union <laughs> managers. So, right. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and two and who are Vanessa, really interested. <laughs> Two are real interested. And then uh, Panessa, you know, I got to meet with her. And I mean, Marisa was just a lovely ball yeah. of energy and love <laughs> and amazingness. So I, I immediately was just like, yeah, I'm signing with this chick. Like, she's awesome and hysterical and funny yeah. and amazing. And so, yeah, so I was with her for about seven years. So, yeah, she's the, she, she got me back out there auditioning for stuff and a year it took about a year but then that's when i i had a really good 2012 with boss mob doctor chicago fire that commercial and by the end of the year i i joined the union um yeah you I, were killing it i remember i mean this is when you came onto my radar when i when i got in in 09 and 10 signed with marisa right when she <clears> opened <throat> her doors 
And yeah. um, and I saw I saw all these bookings from you because you know they'll post and it's yeah, a small yeah. town. So I was you know seeing the stuff that you were doing, and obviously you were on this you were you were on this incredible track. So signing with her was a really really great thing, and it was, and it was wonderful it, for me. She was small boutique, sweet, real, and she most importantly she had connections into Claire Simon, P and R. Um, and all these, all these houses, she was really close with all of them. So they were really open to receive. Like if she said, I have a new talent, they were like, yep, send them this way. Like like they were, they would instantly be willing to see people that they'd never seen before because, you know, based on her recommendation. That's amazing. Based on. Yeah. So it was the momentum that to have somebody in your corner like that. That's so great. Yeah. Well, and, and, and we know the ups and downs. So, you know, you can't have a, a 2012 every year. What were those years? What were those years like? What were those times like that were the most stressful, that were the darkest? And how did you get through them? Oh, oh boy. Uh, so uh, I definitely had some, I mean, the ebb and flow, the roller coaster ride. Uh, I, my 2014 and 15 were the years that, uh, kind of broke me and pushed me mm. to like, like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I think I may, I think I may be done. I think I may be interested in trying to figure out something else, which was like, you know, obviously, generally speaking, that's a big deal for any actor to think of, but like, big time. especially when you like, that's all you've known, like your entire life, like since I was 17 and took that first acting class. And I was like, I think I'm going to do this. Like, that's all I'd known. And then I was one of those actors who, you know, to each his own, but in my opinion, looking back on it, it was a big mistake on my part, but I was one of those actors where like my entire life revolved around my being an actor. Like it was the center of my universe. I did nothing else. I had no hobbies. I had no outside interests. I was, I wouldn't allow myself to do other things because my whole mentality was I need to be, fully committed and focused in in my journey of trying to be a successful actor and anything else is just going to get in my way or distract me and keep me from achieving my goal and looking back why do you think that why do you think that was not a favorable thing the oh god how do i even you know the 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 pressures of being an actor like the, the rejection and all that kind of stuff all that stuff is challenging enough as it is when you suddenly inject into that, like your life now being your lifeline now sort of being connected to your success or failure rate. Like that's just, that's just not healthy. It's just not right. You know what I mean? Like it's already bad enough, like walking into an audition being like, I really need to book this job. I really need to book this job versus, oh my God, I really need to book this validating life affirming thing. And that's what it was for me. That's what I turned it into by making it my be all end all. You You made it everything you made it, you know, and this is the same thing with me. And I'm asking these questions because I hit the same thing in 14, 15, 16 for the first time in my life. I said, maybe I don't want to do this anymore. And I believe it because this is my air. This is what I've, this is my livelihood. This is my, this is the reason I wake up in the morning. And the last thing I think about when I hit my head on that pillow at night. Right. But that's the problem. That's, that was my 
problem was it was the end all be all. And I tied it to, and we've said this so many times on this show, I tied something so unreliable, like acting, to something so important, my happiness, that is the most foolish thing to do, right? So then what happens? Well, you in your 30s, you realize that acting isn't the end all be all. It will not make you happy and that paycheck will never make you happy. And then you realize you start to question everything and say, well, what does make me happy? Oh, this this business doesn't make me happy. My partner makes me happy. My dogs make me happy. Uh, a beautiful day makes me happy. And because you've made it everything, you start to question your even place now in this. So correct me if I'm wrong. You are coming into a place you're 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 a little you're a few years older than me. So I think evolutionary evolutionarily in your head, like where you are in life, you're like, OK, life is short. And I'm not going to go on thinking that today will determine whether I'm happy or upset, whether I get this booking or not, which has no, no, um, uh, it's not determined on me as a person on even my talent. It's about the person who, who's, who has the key in the, and they might have some, they might like some completely different reason um, than than my talent, right? So um, when you figured that out, did things get a little easier? Yes, with an asterisk. Because, you know, do things ever really get easier when you're an actor? Not really. But still the answer is yes, because all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but over time, I sort of gained a new perspective uh, about the industry, about the work I was doing, about my place in it, and my 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 purpose in it, my mm. uh, yeah, just where where I stood, and you know, not to get all mushy, but uh, Sarah, my my wife of almost eleven years now, <clears throat> was a big part of that. Uh, she used to be a stage manager in the theater way, way back in the day. She actually stopped stage managing before she and I started dating. Um, so it was perfect because like she knew the world, but she was no longer a part of it. So she was just like, I don't really care. I don't need to know, but I get it. Like I understand and the like late nights, you know, in rehearsals or those, or like, the, like, no, you absolutely should go out for drinks after the show and network with your cast and your friends and all that kind of stuff. Like she got it. So that was awesome. But because she was no longer a part of it and no longer needed to be a part of it and therefore no longer needed that validation from it, she she was already experiencing the rest of life. And so because of her, I was able to go, oh, oh, like there's this other thing. Like there's like, wait, there's more to life. What do you mean? What are you? What are you? Right, talking? right. And, and she was able to be like, hey calm the fuck down, relax. It's not the end of the world. Like that, it doesn't have to define you. Like, yeah, I get it. You're an actor and you want to be successful. Yeah. And yes, it's cool when you book shit. That's awesome. I get to say my boyfriend's on TV or whatever, but like, also like you're still you, like, it doesn't like, don't, don't tie that to it. Just because you didn't book that thing doesn't make you less of a person or a human being or, or anything like just don't, do that to yourself. Um, so, you know, and I fought her on it. Oh, I was a stubborn son of a bitch. And I fought her on it for a really long time, but she finally managed to get through and get me to sort of wake up and realize things. And well, I think I, it sounds like it's part of that, that, um, that book 
the war of art, not the art of war, the war of art. Yes. And in it, they, they decide the difference between an amateur and a professional. And you'd think, you would think that, oh, the professional has his head buried in, in, his, in, his, in his script, uh, always prepared in 25 minutes early and, and, you know, breathing, eating, sweating, sleeping this business. But the fact yeah. is, that's an amateur. An amateur is completely soaked with the obsession of this business where it actually prevents them from living a human life, which is what acting is based off of those experiences and those life moments where if you stop being a human being and you're just an actor, well, I'm sorry, but you're going to be the worst actor ever. Right. Like, and like, like, and that's like, when you come to that realization and you talk about it, like all of a sudden it, you're like, Oh, duh. Like, of course, like, how am I supposed to, if, if I have, no life experiences outside of being an actor. How am I supposed to like inject these characters with life? Like, what am I drawing from? Exactly. What am I drawing from? Like, my well is completely empty. Yeah. Like, well, you know, whether it's actual life experiences or just imaginative, creative uh, 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 shit that you're drawing from. If you have nothing else going on, where are you drawing from? Like, what are you doing? How are you? Yes. Everything you have is- to walk away. You have to walk away if if for 10 minutes, if for 10 days, if for whatever you need to do. But but for me, the the when I and I watch, I watch people come into these rooms and I watch the bookers, and it's the bookers who say, Yeah, I'm excited today because I get to go see my friend for coffee after my audition. And the the amateurs say, I'm excited today because I, I'm auditioning and I hope to get at the audition, and then I book the 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 audition and then I get to work. And and that oh, that's that's my life. And it's like, no, no, no. Going to see your friend is your life. The audition is just part of you clocking in that day and, and working. You've got a life today, live it, right? Yeah. So um, we see actors all the time who kind of break from that, gain a new perspective, and it does become easier, at least in that way, where it's not so draining. Every day is about the business. I don't see how people can do it um, uh, for their whole lives. And as a 20-some-year-old, I wanted to die on set. I wanted to live it, breathe it, eat it every moment. Oh, yeah. And you realize, yeah. oh, that's not life. That's just not oh. life. And, and, and it's like I wore that shit like a badge of honor. The whole like starving totally. artist, you know. Of course. Stuff, like, so romantic. Know, oh, God. Like I lived in my shitty little fucking studio and I was living off of two nine hot dogs right. for months on end. And I was just like, look at me struggling for my craft. And I love it. And like, look at how bohemian I am and all that fucking bullshit. Right. And, and yeah, you wear it like a badge of honor. And there's this <laughs> yeah. weird culture of support for that, of like, yeah, if you're not dying for your art, then are you really an yeah. artist? And I, I, I thought it I thought it was so cool that that I was crashing on a on a couch in two inches of standing water. Oh my god. And I thought that was just fucking beautiful. But look like I was getting mold in my lungs. That's yeah, not look, fucking cool. Look at how committed I am to my craft. <laughs> right. <laughs> like no one else does this. Look at what I'm willing to sacrifice. Oh my God. And like looking back on like, you know, I can't get too mad because it's like, well, I had to learn it somehow. You know, there there was no other way for me to learn it other than to like go through it, so to speak. You know, I, I like to call it the uh, the, the hot stove uh, lesson. Yeah. You know, like the yeah. parent telling the child, like, don't touch the stove. It's hot. Don't touch the stove. It's hot. You'll burn yourself. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. But until that kid touches it and burns themselves, they're, you know, like, not once they touch, it's like, oh, fuck, that really hurt. Okay, lesson learned. Like, well, I told you like 10 times, but you didn't learn it. 
But once you touched it, you, you got learned. Hurt. Yeah, but you yeah, also had to. You had to be obsessed with it in the first, oh, yeah. however many years, in order to get you through the three jobs a day that you had, the Ooh. four auditions that week. Like Ooh. you had to be obsessed. I don't know how you were with a significant other because even I was alone and I could barely have the time to just do all that stuff. But you have to be young, full of energy, uh, had that rookie kind of perspective yeah. in order to get through that stuff. So maybe we just had to, had to be obsessed yeah. with it in order to get through that. You, you almost have to eat. You almost have to be like naive and ignorant to what you are putting yourself through in order to go through it. Because if you, if you had any actual perspective of what you were actually doing, you would immediately stop what totally. you're doing and like not go through it anymore. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I so I can't, I, I, I won't call it regret because it's like, no, I had to go through that. I had to learn that lesson. I had to learn. Of course it's in hindsight. All of this is in hindsight. Uh, yeah. Of course. You know, That's when you're funny. living it, there's well, no other choice. There's no like, Oh, well on the other side of this, I'm going to see you haven't gotten to that point yet. So it's just no. like, this is what I have to do for what I want to do. And, you know, you just keep clocking it every day and then you get a little older and you live a little more life and you're like, Oh my God. You, go, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Why, why, why did I, Oh, okay. It's but when you're young and hungry and you have it, that energy, it's just like, it doesn't seem so odd because this industry is so fucking hard and when you're actually doing it, because how many people get out of a BFA or out of an MFA and they're just dead in the water and they don't do anything about it. They get stuck in, you know, uh, a waiter job or they're a bartender or whatever. And it's like, well, they're not doing it. I'm fucking doing it. And you feel like you're feeding right. your soul and you're, you know, you're putting yeah all that money for school to use and you're you're telling your family like no I'm out there and I'm uh, blah, 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 blah. even though is it probably a little unhealthy yes but you're gonna find that out in a decade <laughs> you know it's fine. well and there's a reason why I mean actors can only do this I mean normal people who think logically reasonably they're not going to think oh yeah I'll do this for 10 years and hope for the best and uh just be really poor and like ruin my you know life possibly who knows like <laughs> only actors say you know what it's going to be worth it and we had to come to a point where like you know what if i'm 60 which is in just a couple years and i think you know what this was all worth it i didn't get to that whatever i was at the beginning that end goal franchise uh like like lead or whatever in some like the stuff that i don't care about right now but if i get to if i got to that point where through my career i booked some stuff i had some fun and i don't have to think i wonder what would have happened or the what ifs or the could haves or the what ifs if i just attempted it that's worth it for me yes I swear to God, it's just, that's worth it. And if I, if I book, then that's awesome. Then that's great. And you know what? It's already been a success because we've booked and you've had a great success. Um, you've like anybody you, you've, you've missed out. These then have been given to you and you, you still wake up. Um, you know, we didn't touch a lot on the theater stuff, but I'm sure like being in Chicago, doing theater, like real good theater, like the Goodman, like Porchlight. Um, a lot of Shakespeare stuff that you've done. I'm sure that really kind of built you up. Theater does has a way of really like polishing you up. Is that what happened with you? 
Yeah, it does. Like you, you were just saying like two minutes ago, the whole like, <clears throat> I forget how you said it, but like people who think logically would never be able to do this kind of thing. Like the, the degree of uh, insanity. insanity or throwing caution to the wind that you need to sort of have in order to do this industry. I what feel like it's even, even <laughs> Oh, Adam, you have a long, you got a rough. rough Tony, Adam, you, you, Adam, Adam, you forgot. It's been a really bad 12 years. <laughs> I keep having to remind you that. Oh Go my ahead. God. It's been, um, <laughs> like if we say nutmeg, is he just going to like, gop out in the water? Like, where am I? Where? Um, uh, Why is this dog I, covered I, in I, chocolate? I, what am I doing? <laughs> where am i <laughs> who's ducks um i think to be like a theater actor for for an ex- any kind of extended period of time takes slightly more level of insanity almost yep. dare, I, dare i say it um but yeah like you know it kind of builds a type of thick skin that can only be built through doing theater um because the amount of like work, blood, sweat, and tears, and yeah. hours—holy shit! The amount of hours you think oh my working God. hours is crazy. Working theater hours is is a different kind of beast as well. Uh, numbers wise, you know, I'm sure one is more than the other, but like, just it's it's just a different beast. And yeah, it's a it's a different kind of thick skin that you develop from doing theater and. In some ways, it helps. Uh, it allows you to be able to take that much more. You're able to like withstand uh, more as you go. Builds through. your endurance. Yeah, your endurance is that much more. Um, but I get yeah, and, and I guess the, the flip side of that is that it, I I I, I allowed myself to be in the shit longer because I thought I could handle it or that I should handle it, that I needed to handle it. Like this was like, no, this is, this is what it is. This is what I've chosen. And I just have to stick with it. And the thought of like changing my mind at any point is just like, Oh no, 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 you don't change your mind. You're in it. Now. Like this is for life, you know, like, no. And, and I think when I got to that point of like, Oh wait, no, I can change my mind. I can choose something else while it was terrifying and scary at the same time, like, yes, like all of a sudden it was like, Oh, that's what fresh air in my lungs feels like. Oh, what is Mm. that? Like breathing and my shoulders move. Oh, what is going on? What is this freedom? Um, But you know, it is scary because especially by that point, like you've dedicated your life to this thing and you don't know anything else, or at least I didn't for me. Like I was like, what the fuck else am I going to do? Like, I don't, if I decide to walk away from this, what am I going to do? Um, but the the search for that or the trying to figure that out was actually kind of scarily great. It yeah. was kind of awesome and eye-opening. And suddenly I was like, oh, okay, I, I, I can be and I am more than just an actor. And... That felt really fucking great. And and then looking back on it, like, you know, the, the ups and downs of success and failure, almost any time that I look back on times where I was like, 
on a hot streak or I felt like I was doing really good, I can almost always pinpoint it to, oh yeah, that was the time when I was like busy doing that shit and acting kind of sort of became my acting became my side gig. Dare I say it? Oh no, blasphemy. But like, I was, I was like, no, I'm focusing on this stuff and like, oh, I have another audition. Oh yeah, cool. I'll go do that. Uh, Isn't that interesting how that happens? Cool. Awesome. Let me know if you guys want me, but I got to go. See you later. Yeah. You know, like it allowed me the luxury of not fixating on, oh God, another audition. I have to get this. I have to get this. It was just like, oh, cool. Let me go do that thing real quick. Oh, that was fun. Thanks guys. See you later. And then. Yeah. And and when you do that, casting directors watch you come in, not with an ego, like I've got somewhere other than this place to be, but more like this was so much fun and now I'm off I'm off to do the thing that I was doing before. I'm excited to go back to the thing. Like it's that whole like, I'm excited to go see a friend for coffee. I'm This whole thing, your yeah. lack of desperation, casting directors have now come to expect from you. So you're coming in and you're doing your thing. Like, all right, later with a smile in your face rather than fear eyes. Right. And you're like, later, I'm right. not, you know. And you book vacation. You What do they say? You want to act? Book a vacation. <laughs> Put acting in the back seat. The second you book something that would get in the way is the second you'll fucking It's book like something. law. It it's it's yeah. gravity. I mean, it's like law. It works every time. So that can yeah. only tell you, drive home the fact that you make acting less, you make it less about everything. Mm. That's the first step to booking more is by making it less. Yeah. And, what are you looking forward to in the future, knowing everything that you've l- learned, all this wisdom, all this experience in your first, let's call it quarter or first half of your of your career? What are you looking forward to as the months and years progress, having this different perspective about the business, about life? I, I'm looking forward to enjoying it again. I, I, I'm sorry if that sounds cheesy, but it's the truth. Like I, you know, the, the last 18 months have given me a lot of time as I, I'm sure have given a lot, a lot of us a lot of time to think about things and like really examine things and like recalibrate my brain and way mm. of thinking of it. And, you know, like we've just had this whole long ass conversation about, you know, not making acting like the center of your universe, but, you know, easier said than done. Like I still have my moments where I have to sort of recheck in and remind myself, like, stop it, Tony. Like, don't, don't fucking put your entire existence on the line on this two line co-star audition. Like, stop, fucking stop it. It's not going to do you. It's not going to serve you. So I occasionally, I still have to, it's work in progress. Yeah. But you know, with with the time that I've had, the the amount of time that I've had to really do my soul searching and checking in, like I'm really looking forward to just enjoying it again and having a good time and like genuinely laughing and, and finding joy in the work rather than it being work, rather than it being a chore and taxing. And, you know, I don't want to get an, you know, an email about an audition and go, okay. All right. Well, when am I going to have time for that? Okay. All right. I need to, like, I don't want to have that response. I want to look at it and be like, oh, cool. What's this? Oh, that, oh, that's a fun show. Oh, I get to say that. Oh, that's awesome. All right, cool. All right. When can I do that? I can do that tonight. All right. All right, cool. Awesome. Hey, Sarah, I have an audition. All right. Okay, great. Like I want that again and I've had it before. So I know I can achieve it again, but I have to just 
continually remind myself that just because I had it doesn't mean it stays. Like I have to hang on to that. It, 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 this business has a very, uh, very shay of taking that away from you very quickly. If you're not paying attention, if you're not, mm. if you're not, if, if, yeah, if you, if, I don't want to say if you let your guard down, cause I don't, I don't also want to create the image of like needing to constantly be in on guard, but it's just, you know, you constantly have to check in with yourself and, and, and reset and rescan and just kind of mm. yeah, just check in and, and, I'm looking forward to having fun again. Like I've, I had a couple of auditions these, the, the last couple of weeks where I was like, this was fun. Like I actually allowed myself to have a good time. And if I don't get them, all right, cool. But I, you can't take away the fun that I had. You can't take that away from me. If the whole thing on the line is whether or not I booked it, that they can take away from you. But if whether or not I had fun, that's on me. You guys can't take that from me. So, well, And that's a, that's a great perspective to have. And the only reason why you have that perspective is because you've experienced the alternative, um, which is stress and anxiety and obsession and control and all that stuff. And like we said earlier uh, in this episode, um, you have to go through it in order to come out clean on the other side. I think you're right exactly where you should be as an actor who has experience, who's fallen, who's experienced these um, tumultuous times and then to come in this fresh perspective, knowing what you experienced and knowing what to change and how to better navigate this business. You know, I'm excited for you. I think you're awesome. I think you're such a great, I've always wanted to um, have you on show. And um, for those listening at home, um, Tony's going to be one of our coaches. So if you like what he said, if you can, uh, if you are interested in learning a bit more about him, um, um, feel free to, to jump on the website, workingactorpro.com and book yourself a private session. Um, Tony, what about these kids coming out of college, uh, moving to their that big market? They're starting to set sail. Um, what are you What are you going to tell them in, in preparation for what they're about to undertake? Whoa. I I think get as many bro- agents as you can. I know. Get as many agents as you can. Sign <laughs> with all five of them. Don't tell them about each other initially. Just let them figure it out. Um, I, I think that the sort of go-to response to that is the whole, like, you know, learn that it's a business. Learn the business of the of the industry. And that's, that's true. Like, you should. You definitely, um, like, all of your artistic and creative <clears throat> dreams and visions of this industry, don't throw those away. They hang on to them. That's important. But also realize that, it is a business. There is a bottom line. People have to make decisions based on capital and, and, and you know, return on investment and all that kind of stuff. That is all very important. Um, but I, I feel like I want to leave, I want to give them something more than just that. What about the journey and looking at it from? Because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to you in college, them needing to put you on a probation period because you're not good because they said you're not good yet, like, and then here you are, you're booking four different projects in 2012. We're talking 12 years later. You have a multi-booking year, right? How many of us walk in and aren't good enough, but we're like, okay, I guess that's it. Then see you later, door. Patience and perseverance. Yep. That's that 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 would that's that's my t-shirt. 
patience, <laughs> patience and perseverance. It it's, is the name of the game. Because here's the thing, like skill, talent, you know, all your resume, your reel, all of those things, arguably you can, you can, you can like get those things and improve upon them and learn them and make them better and strengthen them. Like, but patience and perseverance is not anything that you can necessarily like learn more of. Like it's, it's just patience and perseverance. It's being willing to wait and being willing to keep going. Like that's it. There's no, there's no more learning of that. Like once you know what that is, like, you know what I mean? So you just kind of have to keep cycling that for yourself. Like I just, I have to remain patient and I have to maintain perseverance and that's easier said than done. Um, But I think especially for like young and eager right out of that conservatory program, like I just played Hamlet, you know, in last year's production, like I'm like the world better be ready for me. Here I come. Awesome. Congratulations on Hamlet. I'm sure you were fucking brilliant. I'm sure your university newspaper critics loved you. Calm down. Take a breath. You are now about to go from competing against maybe 30 other people in your department for the role of Hamlet to about 30,000 in whatever market you decide to go into. I'm not saying that to knock you. I'm not saying that to like take away from your abilities and skills. I'm telling you that to give you perspective. It's a very different world, not necessarily one that college prepares you for. You are built. Don't lose that. You are the skills and talent abilities that you have are yours, and that's wonderful. Don't lose them. Just realize that you are entering a a very different world where it's not just based on like how good of a Hamlet you were. It's based on so many other things that, that you don't have any control over. <laughs> that you have zero control over. Because we love Tommy's Hamlet last summer. Who didn't? But but he's a redhead and. Our, our other actor is already a redhead. We can't have two redheads in the same show. That just doesn't happen. You know, that's not a thing. It's too you know? much. That's too much ginger. The world's not ready, you know? Or, you know, he looks like my ex-boyfriend. Mm, no, that's not going to fly. It's not going to work. Oh, wait, he's taller than our lead. Yeah, that's not going to work. Right. Um, that No, it, it, there's there are so many things that are just completely out of your control. And they have to, and they will remain so. And you have to figure out a way to be okay in spite of that. Jose, Tony Garcia, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for giving us your experience, your wisdom. There's so much, um, so much more. We'd love to have you back. And I'm excited for you to start coaching with, uh, with Book It and Working, working Actor Pro. There's so many students who, who are going to learn a lot from you. Um, where can people find you, Tone? Uh, mostly Instagram. I am on Facebook, but I'm barely there. So don't. And if you message me there, I won't respond for a very long time. But I'm mostly Instagram. I, I am there at at Jose Tony Garcia. Uh, and then also, if I may, I am at the practical actor. Um, if I can cross promote with working actor pro for a second. 
Yes, um, you can. Yeah, that, I mean that I created that account for. That's where I like I do coaching. I I share tidbits of information. I kind of just do it for fun. There, it's not like a like a a career or, or anything. But um, coaching is something I enjoy doing quite a bit. I I teach every once in a while. I got a couple of I got a couple of different people in the industry who I do workshops with from time to time. And it's always fantastic and super fulfilling. And it's as helpful for me as it is for the people uh, attending the workshops. Um, I think Robin in your podcast was talking about it, how like teaching has made her a better actor because it's like, she has to practice what she preaches, you know? And like the stuff that she's telling her students to be doing all of a sudden she turns around and she's like, Oh, I should be doing the same things. Like, why am I just telling them to do it? I should be doing that too. And it's Mm. true. It's so, so true. It's, it's as helpful for me as it is for others. Um, but yeah, at Jose Tony Garcia is my personal account or at the practical actor, uh, both on Instagram. Wonderful. Uh, I am there. Pleasure to meet you, man. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you guys. I appreciate it immensely. And yeah, let's, uh, let's do this. (laughs) <laughs> Love it. We'll talk to you soon. Come back again, will you? Absolutely. Thank you My for pleasure. joining us. Bye, Tone. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Tommy. See you later. What a great guy. Just so much uh, realistic knowledge and outlook about all of this that I think um, people who are listening need to hear. If I heard this episode in 2009, like, I think everything would have changed. My last 10 years would have been completely different. Like, I was so ob- obsessed about this business. And it's nice to be here. And, you know, Adam, you and I will text each other, got an audition, or like, we're excited about something. That's okay. It's totally cool to be so excited about it. But in terms of like you being a human being, I think it's so important to like throw out acting on the back burner when you're not acting so that you can just feel like a human being so that when you are acting, you've got things to go off of. I mean, it sounds pretty elementary, but I think that we all do it wrong in the first 10 years. We just become so obsessed about it, right? Yeah. And it's so funny. We've had um, a few guests lately who have said, oh, when this thing happened in my life and I started living more, I noticed I started becoming a better actor because I just had more life to pull from to be a person which is what we're doing right we're pretending to be other people which is going to be constantly different scenarios and circumstances and all that and the more you live and the more people you know and experiences you have it just makes you a richer person and if the actor is a, a rich person then when they do a role there's just so much more stuff there to draw from And we've had so many guests lately who have like, oh, yeah, when I stopped obsessing and I lived a little bit more, I noticed things kind of changed. It's incredible. I mean, it beats the hell out of uh, being in the thick of it, like spending all your time auditing, beefing up this or that, changing up the website, doing that, doing this. And you have like a desert. You're pulling you're pulling emotion from an absolute desolate place because you're just overworked. You haven't taken a vacation in years because you're afraid of being away from whatever market you're in. You can't stop putting down your phone. The minute that you stop doing that and you just start going on vacation, doing something else, meeting new people going out, you start to just act better. 
uh, like you said, you're pulling pulling emotion from emotion. You need little places. reset buttons. Yeah, yeah, big time. Or even you know, big like uh, that uh, the summer before COVID, when we when I was working on lost and found and producing a movie and like it was just all day every day for weeks on end doing producing a movie for the first time ever and Mm -hmm. i was like oh i haven't even thought about when the when was the last audition i had and i like went through my calendar i was like holy shit i'm i actually like in a little bit of a dry spell but i haven't even noticed because i'm focusing on this project which will be you know something that I'm in with my friends and I'm directing and I'm writing and I'm producing and I'm going to be in it. I haven't even fucking thought about the fact that it's been a month or two since I've had an audition because my brain was preoccupied and I was working on something and it just, you know, it's funny how you live a little and you go, Oh yeah, that's fine. Exactly. And always when I'm like, you know, I should probably email my, ma- then I get an audit and I never have to send the email. And it's like, but you got to just keep living and, you know, keep your mm-hmm. brain occupied or else there's after a way a few years to, you're going to go fucking yeah. crazy. There's a way to go about this business. It might not be like any other job where you have a structured thing on how to get, but there is actually a structure of, of kind of employing these things that we l- learned over 10, 15 years. Um, in order to to have a, a better success rate and for you to be a little happier, a little happier, yeah, one happier Alrighty. actor um, at Tommy, a time. Take us home. Yes, sir. Well, thank you everybody for uh, for listening to this episode with Jose Tony Garcia. You can find out more about becoming a working actor and before the break at workingactorpro.com. You can follow us on Instagram at before the break pod and working actor pro. Check out Adam's stuff at adamdecarlo.com. Follow him at that Adam DeCarlo and check out Tommy's stuff. That's me at TommyBeardmore.com. Follow me at Tommy Beyond. Alrighty, everybody. We will see you next week on another episode of Before the Break. Thank you for listening. And uh, don't forget to subscribe, write a review, rating, all that good stuff. All right. See you next time. Bye, everybody, for listening. Bye. You've been listening to Before the Break. The hosts are Tommy Beardmore and Adam DiCarlo. Cover art by Amanda June Boucher. Music by Benjamin Sterley. Before the Break is recorded live from Los Angeles and New York City.